This is Amplify You, the podcast about you discovering your message and broadcasting it to the world. If you're a coach, author, or speaker, you'll want to tune in. If you're looking for the best return on your time investment to get your message out to the world in a bigger way, we're giving you full access and behind the scenes look of how we're running our podcast, how our clients have found success, and what you can do to launch your podcast today. The world needs your message. I'm Michelle Abraham, the host. Join my family as we unleash your unique genius and find the connections you need to launch your adventure today. Join us and let's get Amplified. Hey, Amplify You family, Michelle Abraham here, your host, and today I'm bringing you an awesome guest. You'll be so excited to hear from this guy. He's got a really cool story. He is called the Canine Mentalist. I bet you haven't heard anyone called that before. (laughs) And so he is a keynote speaker, expert dog trainer, published author, author, two times TEDx speaker, a combat veteran, and his name is Ryan Matthews. So Ryan, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to whatever we uncover today. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) That sounds good. I love this. So we met a few weeks ago at the New Media Summit. And what was really cool about Ryan's story is just really struck me as someone who's really taken something that you're passionate about. You found a really, really unique niche here. And you've turned this into a really mega business for yourself like you've got go to your website you've got online training you've got videos you've got podcast interviews you've got speaking engagements you've got you've got it dialed in and you've branded yourself really uniquely and I love that so um let's dive into your story so how did you become the canine mentalist if you want to take us down that route first yeah I will I'll try to stick to the fun fun and juicy stuff and so um you know I actually never had a dog growing up it wasn't until my deployment to Croatia, where I saw two canine handlers in the army on this deployment that were doing bite work. So the dog was like attacking them and with the bite sleeve, of course, right? And anyways, they just seemed so happy, right? These canine handlers seemed so happy. And so I was like, hey, can you tell me about what you guys do? And how do I become what you got going on? And they told me the process and they were super laid back and chill and not your typical soldier. And as soon as I had that conversation with them, I knew that's exactly what I wanted to go and do for myself. And so that started in 2002. I became certified as a military working dog handler and was really fortunate. You know, I was able to work with the Secret Service and Special Forces overseas. And it was fun and exciting, but, you know, it is kind of um, trying searching for bombs. You know, it eventually took a, a mental toll on me as it relates to PTSD. Um, but I got out of the Army, and then I converted those, some of those skills and had to gain a whole lot more and brought that into the pet world. And so I've trained over 3,000 pet dogs, and it's, it's really fun to share this dog training, behavior, and psychology to really improve the quality of lives of people and their pets. It's, it's really fun. I love, I love what you've done. And it's really neat to see like you're a really sought after pet, a trainer. Like, and I think that's really cool that you've taken what you've learned in the army and brought it back into now making a business out of it for yourself too. And not only do you train pets, but you also now do speaking engagements and using the canine concepts that you've like, that's actually proven by psychologists from what I hear. And yes. now you're transforming human behavior and leadership and you're talking to organizations and big corporate companies and 
helping them with their leadership skills from what you've learned from the dogs. I think that's really cool. What, how did that transition happen? <laughs> it's been an evolution, right? And so one thing that I hope your audience will hear is to really come from a place of being curious and creative. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have this type of insight that I have today. And so it's just a matter of me surrounding myself with the right people and me just going down my own journey. You know, I've been through multiple near-death experiences. And so I've had to look really deep within myself as it relates to my own transformation. And in me doing the work to improve who who I am and what I am, um, it allowed me to start to look towards dogs as, and specifically my own dog, as a teacher or a, a, a source of medicine almost, right? And as I was able to connect the dots, because I, I have this visionary creative mind, I was able to start to see correlations. And it was it, what happened was I was like, look, I want to convert uh, my first book and redo it into a second book where I take dog training and behavior and tie it into dog, er, sorry, human psychology. And so I called some of my psychologist friends and I said, look, I'm trying to do this crazy thing. I might just be wild and crazy, but is there any truth to what I'm saying? And so I've created this system called RCTR, and we talk about it on the first TEDx talk. And RCTR is repetition, consistency, timing, and reward. And I talked about how that can work for training any dog, right? (laughs) And then I asked the psychologist, like, so this is how it works with dogs. Does any of that apply to people? And I was amazed at the response. They said, well, yeah. This is aligned with modern psychology practices. And it's even now, it's like kind of hard to grasp, but it's right now the second book is endorsed by over 10 psychologists. And so how did I get to this? Coming from a place of being curious and creative and asking, you know, is it possible? What else is possible? And it's really incredible and it's reassuring to have the confirmation from, from these psychologists and others. Yeah, that's super cool. And I love that, you know, being curious has led you down this path because I think so many of us just like, oh, no one's ever done that before. So uh, that's not possible. <laughs> it can't be done before. So yeah, that's really neat. And like the courage also to reach out to the psychologist and be like, is this applicable? Does this work? Like, that's a really great thing to um, open you, like have an open mind and the curiosity to be able to do that. So now what's your hope with the being the canine mentalist? What do you want to inspire into people in the world? And pets. Yeah, exactly. So, well, first of all, this is one of my ways to give back to pets. And it's actually really hard found. And it's, it's actually very deep. You see, like after the war, I was very numb and cut off from people. Yeah. I didn't really know how to connect. My heart was not open. I was closed off. And honestly, I was quite afraid. Um, everything was pretty much a threat to me. And so I was not able to have feelings towards other people. I remember like holding my ex-wife in my arms and we were in the kitchen. I remember like looking up to God and like praying, like, please give me a feeling right now. Please allow me to feel for her. And nothing came. And that was really frustrating. And that just highlights how cut off I was, which I feel like one of the biggest parts of this human experience is connection, right? And so dogs were able to give me that. I was able to open up to dogs. That felt safe, right? And so that's one, and there's other reasons, but that's one of the reasons why I've dedicated my life to giving back to dogs that have taught me how to love again, right? And so that's part of why the canine mentalist has been born. It's my way of putting a spotlight on dogs that have done so much for me. 
And so canine mentalist really takes dog behavior and psychology and training and how that can apply to our own personal life and even in business, as crazy as that sounds. And so I'm partnering with various corporate trainers and I'm coming in as canine mentalist and we're doing these joint workshops together to teach these really profound lessons in the business world and changing up a narrative in a new fun uh, easy to approach and easy to consume kind of way highlighting the dogs but then seeing how is it can relate to us mm, that's really cool i love it uh and and how cool is that so instead of just having a boring corporate trainer come in and talk to you about leadership skills now you've got ryan and his canine crew coming in and i'm really showing people like that connection i love that and connection is such a huge huge thing in our world i mean it's one of my favorite words and one of my favorite things to do is connect people to people and i love how you've taken it to the next level and connecting people to animals uh is there a uh, a charity or a nonprofit that you're uh that you feel passionate about that aligns with what you do too there's a there's a good number i mean part of my journey has been i've been on the receiving end of multiple incredible veteran nonprofits that have really helped me uh, move from where i was to where i want to go and so I one th- one of them is um, Project Canine Hero, which my friend Jason Johnson has created. Um, he's doing incredible work as it relates to working dogs, both military and, and police dogs, and providing the the medical benefits and um, funding that once the dogs are retired out. You see, because the new owner incurs those costs, but through his organization, he helps with that. And another one is Mission Twenty Two. And um, Dr. Hadayat and Dr. Um, Michael George Hofrath are doing really incredible work as it relates to mental health and helping myself and others really move past PTSD and move more into post-traumatic growth. Awesome. Uh, that's really interesting. And those, those are, it seems like there's, there's more and more charities that are helping, um, helping veterans as there's so much PTSD as when you come, we come back and re- a reintegrating back into life is such a, a huge deal. What were some of the things that um, the, the dogs were able to help you with, like mm. going through that? Yeah. One of them was the unconditional love. That's the one that I think a, a lot of us would go to is that they're constantly showing us this unconditional love. Like for example, my dog wants to know where I'm at. So when my, when I'm in my office and he'll want to lay behind my chair and sometimes I may forget. And so I may slide the chair and I may like, you know, nick him on accident. And like, that's rude. That was rude of me. I didn't have the awareness that Zeus was behind me, but he's like, he's not mad. He's not taking it personally. And so, you know, one of them is the unconditional love and also Like dogs don't take things personally, right? Like how beautiful is that? Like I highlight in the second TEDx talk how dogs can fight and a lot of times they get over it like that. Mm. And so I've had grudges in my life and one of the things in my own work is I've learned to make my wrongs a right and to not hold grudges. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like dogs are incredible teachers in that they don't take things personally, they don't hold grudges, they move on, each day is a new day. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. Yeah, it's, and it's so neat how you've just deciphered the, the the dog relationship that you have, and how and you can translate it into so many different things in life, and like really like like looking how dogs how they behave and how they react to situations, and don't hold. I think cats hold grudges. What do you think? Yeah, I, believe, I believe that to be true, which is part of why I'm a dog guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they seem like they hold grudges, but you're right. Dogs are just happy-go-lucky, and there's so much we can learn from that as people right they're happy-go-lucky they're their unconditional love the connection that you have with them there's you know now that you're opening up our eyes to this there are so many things that we can learn uh, from dogs so what are some things that you would love entrepreneurs to know about building their business and growing their business when it comes to things you learn from your dogs right <laughs> there's one more I'd like to share I think that you're gonna get excited about and I think your audience will appreciate and that is uh, to be enthusiastic and so if we look at now, this is more about not just in the work, yeah, <laughs> not just in the, and you're, you're wonderful at it, by the way, Michelle, but if we think about how we show up when we come home to our significant other, or how do we show up in the work environment, right? Are we being enthusiastic and letting people know we're like really happy to be there and see them? Mm-hmm. Are we showing up with the same enthusiasm as we do with our dog when we come home? Yeah. And often the answer is no. The dog is getting more of our enthusiasm and excitement than our own significant others. Mm-hmm. And so I propose and ha- ask us to ponder, you know, what would things be like if we were to treat each other with that same level of enthusiasm that we give our dogs, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just envisioning what that would look like, you know, significant other pee on you because they're so excited or, you know, <laughs> licking you all over. <laughs> that could be some really interesting times when you're coming home from work. <laughs> there's, there's some fun skits we could do for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's true. Like dogs have this like uh, excitement, right? And that's you, right. because you see that, you get excited as well. And yeah, yep. it's true. I mean, maybe, maybe the young kids, as we come through the door, we get that excited but like for our own significant others like yeah that doesn't usually happen and especially when we're going to the workplace either like to see our employees or to see our our, you know our um, co-workers like that is not really something that we that we do but taking that enthusiasm and bringing it throughout our life I think you know we've got some podcasters that are um, on a mission right now to bring more joy into people's life rebels for joy it's like yeah we literally don't have that joy like dogs just have that natural joy or most of them do anyways that's right yeah <laughs> that, bringing that joy and enthusiasm into our life is awesome and then <laughs> and then to go deeper on that like well why does that even matter and well that matters because your your coworkers or your team will feel important and feel valued right mm-hmm. and so when they're coming from that place of having that that cup full and fulfilled then what kind of performance will they want to give without even requiring a motivation mm-hmm. which is another thing right so if we look at what's the ideal dog owner it's someone that is their dog's leader and that doesn't mean we're mean or when we're intimidating the dog being your dog's leader means you're very fair you're very consistent that you take charge and that the dog can look to you for guidance Right. And so that's also holds true as it relates to being a leadership in the work environment. Our team needs to know that they can count on us. Our team needs to know that we will be fair when it comes to promotion. We will also be fair when it comes to corrective action. Right. It feels safe. And when they feel safe, again, they can better perform and 
we gain trust and loyalty from our teams. Mm. Yeah, I think that loyalty is a big one too. Yeah, that's interesting. Loyal like a dog, right? Yeah, loyal like a dog. Yeah. No, no one's more loyal than the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I love that how you can just really, you know, put everything in perspective that way. It's it's really interesting. Um, yeah, and, and so what's next? So now you have uh, an online training program for uh, pet owners. Right. And you're speaking in corporations. Where and you've written now your second book, is it? The second book we're currently pitching to the major publishers. So the second book is Heal Your Dog, H-E-E-L, Heal, H-E-A-L, Your Life. Heal Your Dog, Heal Your Life. Ooh, good one. I can see Hey-Ho's picking that one up. You know, I keep hearing that. So I I think I'll talk to my agent about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So thank thank you for that confirmation. And so really what's next for me is about – Um, continuing to share and continuing to bring on the right partners to get some of this messaging out to the masses. Mm -hmm. And so the exciting part is the online dog training just became available last week. And the reason I created that, and I think this will be really helpful for your audience Mm -hmm. as it relates to entrepreneurship is that, you know, when I did dog training one-on-one lessons, I was working with about 10 to 12 clients per day. That was a lot. And I did that for about two and a half years until I faced multiple near-death illnesses. And um, sure, I made close to a million bucks, but at the, at the cost of my own health, right? Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I decided to share my gift through an online platform that is one, I'm going to save myself a lot of time, mm-hmm. but more importantly, it uh, allows me to be of greater service to the masses, because I could only be, I could only help so many thousands of people through the one-to-one model versus the one-to-many model. We can have a larger impact, and really, for me, it's just about helping more people. Yeah, that's fantastic. And is the the dog training online? You think it's just as effective as as coming to like a class with you or a one-on-one session with you? That's a really good question, and the, and the truth is, no, I don't feel that it is. It, it's really ideal for those that can't afford me at a few hundred dollars per hour, mm-hmm. right, but want to do something. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part is that a lot of people have different learning styles. Well, I mean, not a, just a few different learning styles, right? Mm-hmm. And so some people could, read, could learn how to address leash pulling by one of my blogs or in my book by reading it, and others need to watch it, and others need to have it hands-on, say, mm-hmm. And so I think that for some people, this will absolutely work. And for others where it won't work, that's fine. What we're doing is we're offering virtual training because the reality is that the way that you walk with your dog and the issues that you have, so does other people. So I see the same stuff over and over. And so for those that want more hands-on, we're just doing it virtually. And that's also important for your audience, right, is to have multi-tiered levels of of an offer to satisfy the different audiences that you have. Yeah. Plus doing something that's like, so one-on-one and like, you know, taxing into a lot on your time, right. And your energy. So now you're leveraging your time by being able to reach more people, especially who are not in Huntington beach, but want your services and want to know more about what you're doing. But then this is also could be like, as like, instead of coming to you right away, they could settle some of the issues probably by doing the online first and then get to the deeper work with you one-on-one too. Absolutely. The other thing that we're building out is um, workshops. So I can do one-to-many in person where I'll bring some dog, a dog one-by-one on stage, work with the dog and the owner, point things out to the audience, and then, you know, cycle through multiple people. And so they can learn by also observing because I will, 
I'm big into body language as dogs are as well. You know, humans and dogs both communicate about 90% something nonverbal, which is to me very interesting. And so I point these out uh, through the workshop, which is, is very fun. So we've only done it a couple times, but when you say what's next, that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I want to do, which is another idea for your audience as well is yeah. to have that one to many in person workshop model. And that also allows an opportunity for people to have experience you more. So buy your book, uh, mm -hmm. buy, buy other type of um, even swag is what we're creating, right, to have in the back of the room. Uh, and But really it's about creating community. It's about mm -hmm. creating a tribe, a pack, if you will, mm -hmm. where um, you have like-minded people of like-hearted and like interest and really just supporting one another. Yeah, I love what you've done. And I, I, you know, I think you're an expert at this at branding and positioning yourself too. You've done a great job of covering all the bases people can read, they can watch your TED Talks, they can watch you on YouTube, they can do your courses, uh, have you in person. I think you've covered a lot of the bases, which I think a lot of our entrepreneurs and especially podcasters will just do like the one thing or the two things, yeah. but you really got to do all of them to get the the reach that you want to get, especially when it's something that is such, and all of our podcasters have this huge impactful message that needs to get out there like you do. And it's something that they, they need to get it out there in a bigger way. And so we can help you amplify that voice through the podcasting, but you really got to do all of those things, like all of the above. You can't just do one thing because you'd, like you said, there's different learning styles. I think that was really key uh, point. And I'm going to drive home to everyone different, the learning styles. Not everyone's going to resonate with coming in person. Not everyone's going to resonate made with an online poor program or hearing you audio on this is right. why we do YouTube and audio and you know there's so many different ways that we need to communicate with our audience now that I think you know you really uh, hit the nail on that one I think that's really important to to reiterate so um, how did you come up with the canine mentalists Yes, I think that's that's a really good question. That's and the starting point of building an amazing brand. That that's right. Come up with the key, the, the name, right? And so what I and I appreciate this question because I'm really going to invite your audience into my mind. And so what I did was I was like, where what's next for me? And what's next for me is TV. And so I've had a couple of the major networks reach out, which is I feel, I feel so grateful for. Uh, so right now, that's that's not a go yet. Um, the book needs to happen first. But I just want to inspire your audience that mm -hmm. like anything is possible, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but like you shared with Amplify You with branding, right? Is that once you start to position yourself, they came they came to me. I didn't need mm -hmm. to call the one of the major networks. Right. Um, so that's important for your audience to know. And yeah, go ahead. Do you think the TEDx has really helped you like position yourself that way? Or what, has there been any, any particular key things that you did that really took you from one level to the next? Right. So that, so I did the same thing with the branding and positioning as it is the, what, what the public will view me as. And so what I did was I would test different things and I would look at the, again, body language of what would, what would get a different reaction from people. Right. And so when I was like saying, I want to do a TEDx talk, I hadn't done one yet. And I would study the reaction or I'm working on my second book or I'm working on even my first book. And I would say what mattered to people, what would get them emotional or juiced up. Right. And so the answer to your question is, and I also studied like the thought leaders in their field, what have they created? And it's the same stuff is they have a book, they have some type of course, and maybe there's a few offers within that course. 
And a lot of them have their speakers or they've done a TEDx or they've spoken at Google or Harvard or something like that. And once you have those things, you are perceived as an expert. Now, you can't make it to some of these stages if you are not the real deal. Mm-hmm. I have spent thousands of hours and dollars and attention to gain the mastery in which I'm at. And there's a difference between expertise and mastery. I feel like masters are continuing to learn and the experts are like, I got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm a lifelong student. And so anyways, I've just, I've just met people where they're at as it relates to the perception of what it is when you become an author. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm actually not an author. I'm just a master in my field that is sharing my mastery. This is helpful for your audience. Totally. Yeah. Sharing my mastery in a way that some people will choose to consume it. Mm-hmm. That want to maybe just put their toe in it through a $20 purchase. And that's okay. Cause then they're going to get to know us and they're going to want more of us potentially, or maybe not. And that's okay too. I really just mm-hmm. care about um, helping people in the quality of life that we can shift in them. And so the other part was, I was like, you know, I, I have this story and I want to share it. Now, how do I share it? I was like, I want to become a professional speaker. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And I was like, I remember this Toastmaster thing. So I, that's how it started. And then from that came my first TEDx. From my first TEDx, I literally had someone approach me at the end of my first TEDx talk, like after I gave it and said, do you want to do a TEDx talk at my event? That's how I got the mm. second talk. That's not normal. No, that's not normal. But if we put <laughs> you did two different out, TEDx talks, so it's not the same one twice. You did two different ones. Yes, and then why? And then why? Because I could have said no. Because honestly, Michelle, I was <laughs> worn out from the first one. Eighteen minutes memorized word for word with the first one, and so the first thing I asked her is, I said, "How long of a talk?" And she said, five minutes or fifteen, you choose." And so I did five, but it ended up being eight minutes. So my point is, is that I said yes to that because. Also, people have said, well, you know, not to me, but out there, well, you just got lucky doing one talk. So I'm like, fine, if that's what you all think, I'll do two. And show you like, no, I am legitimately uh, a force in my field. Mm -hmm. I have mastery. Let me share it. Let me prove it to you. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's how some of that came about. I love that saying though, like, and you're a master at what you're doing and, and the difference between a master and an expert. I think that's interesting because experts like, yeah, I got it. I'm an expert at it. But the master is a really truly uh, continual student. Uh, that's, that's fascinating. Um, I like how I, you I have to, I have to give credit though, because that's not mine. I got that from a genius. His name is Tom Chi from Google X. Mm. I don't know if you know of him. Uh, he's, no, no creating Hubble crafts and he's create, he's growing meat in the lab, all kinds of incredible work. And so that, that was his, I got that from Tom Chi from Google X. Awesome. I love it. And so uh, advice for people that are thinking about doing a TEDx talk. Oh yeah. <laughs> Once do it or don't. You, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to take a lot of time Yeah. <laughs> and be very clear on why you want to do it. Cause there's more than one reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so also Know that one, you may get a massive spotlight. And if so, are you ready to capitalize on the spotlight? Number one. And then number two is if you don't and you want it to go viral or you want a spotlight and you don't have something in place so that you can. Uh, So in short, some talks go viral and get very well known. Others, Mm -hmm. you have to help promote it and make that happen. Okay. And so 
as it relates to how, how to get a talk, there's different ways. There's, you can pay someone that helps people get talks. They hold your hand through the process. Mm-hmm. Your, your audience can email me and I can make an introduction to one of the people that, I know multiple people that help uh, do that. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is I help people understand my journey and some creative ways that they can put their effort and their time into to help them get a talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. But ultimately yeah. that's what it comes down to is spending a lot of time and money, uh, or sorry, a lot of time and effort mm-hmm. or um, money. some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not always money, but a lot of time and effort uh, yeah. is one of the ways. But again, be very clear on why is it for you? Is it for mm-hmm. the audience? Is it to promote something? Why do you want to have it? Yeah. And that's a good point. Are you ready for that impact it can make, right? So can make a huge impact out there and you could not be ready for it. And you know, that might do a disservice to your ultimate impactful message. Right. So yeah, really keep that in mind. I think that was a really key point. Um, and your dog was one of the only dogs ever allowed on a TEDx talk. Is that right? <laughs> yes. So Zeus, Zeus is a Belgian Malinois and you know, is there a branding perspective of that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So now the other thing, this is good for your audience to know is that my, I had a vision, right? I'm very, I'm very Mm -hmm. visual. And so what I had pictured was on the thumbnail is you would see my dog Zeus on the thumbnail of my talk of the video, but that's not how it played out. And also TEDx changed the title of my first talk. And so, you know, sometimes we got to be flexible and things don't always work out exactly as we see it. And, but yeah, Zeus had performed on both TEDx talks. The first one, he did some tricks. And so I, I did that to highlight and position myself as, yes, I can train a dog. That's part of why I did it. And I did it to get attention. To show like, you know, it's a dog doing tricks on a stage. Like people are going to want to watch that. And mm-hmm. so, and it was my way of kind of Zeus. Some my dog loves interviews. My dog loves TV, and so uh, he he just eats it all up. And so, like recently, we were on Good Morning Britain, and on Good Morning Britain, he just like wants to say hi to everyone. He like loves just being chauffeured. Like my dog's funny, man. He like likes celebrity stuff way more than I do. Celebrity in his past life. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally right. He's a total LA dog. So, anyways, my point is, is that to honor him as well was part of why I wanted to bring him on stage because he eats that stuff up. If you watch the beginning of the talk, he's in, he's in the beginning of the talk. Like you'll see what I mean. He is, his eyes are just lit up and he loves it. And, um, and then the the second talk, he essentially um, just performed, you know, a hug and kiss on command. And I, and I used the initial part. It's like, um, when you look into your dog's eyes, do you really know what they're thinking? Mm-mm. Right. And then so then I'm breaking down how dogs really do think and then how we can take some of how they are, as, as we already talked about. So the second one is let's treat each other more like dogs. Yeah, I like the name of that one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> let's treat each other like dogs. I love it. <laughs> and how good, like how, like that is such a simple message, just that sentence alone. And like how much good would that do in the world if we just like just treat each other like dogs? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. The responsible Even- dog owners, not the other people, the ones that genuinely love them and spoil yeah. them, right? The ones that are excited. <laughs> to see you when you walk through the door that's right (laughs) awesome well ryan thank you so much for all this awesome nuggets like it's so great taking and dissecting what the brand that you've created and kind of getting the back scenes of it and also 
uh, putting it in nuggets that our podcasters and entrepreneurs out there can really take and run with because uh, you've done so many great things uh, with what you're doing and there's just so much more success I think down the road for you which is really cool we can't wait to see what else is in store for uh, you as the canine mentalist and Zeus as your sidekick so, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being with us today on Amplify You thank you I appreciate the opportunity and before we go, where else can we find more information about you? What about dog training online? Take us there. Sure. Worldofdogtrainingonline.com forward slash DIY. And people connect with me on social media at I am Ryan Matthews. Perfect. Yeah. And you've got that on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So go connect with Ryan there. And uh, until next time, thanks, Ryan, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, family, for joining us on this adventure. If you're ready to be heard, head over to mypodcastcoach.com where you'll find out all the tools and tips you'll need to launch your podcast today. If you have a show already and you need some help managing it, please head over to managemypodcast.com and the Amplify You team would be happy to help you manage your podcast. Please also head over to iTunes, like, subscribe, or review our show so we can spread this message. And until next time, be your own unique genius.